When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Julia Show, my talk 1071, everything entertainment. I'll just end it. Thank God it's Friday. Heading into the holiday weekend, uh, Julia is taking an extra day. That's right. So uh, she's not here. Holly is. Holly is. I'm here. Holly, who is a very strong pinch hitter for this station. I would say you're number one designated hitter. That's right. That's yes. Filling it in. That's mm-hmm. right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, So people are pretty happy to have the first summer Memorial weekend. And it looks like it's going to be sunny down here. And I hope it's sunny all over the place, wherever people are going. I hope it's sunny everywhere. Yeah, it's been a long winter and spring. Yes. So we're just sort of ready for it to be outside. And isn't it going to be nice here this weekend or relatively Uh, Yes, Saturday and Sunday. Monday, not so much. Okay, fine. But just give us two days. Thanks, Meatloaf. Yeah, we'll go to to a movie on Monday if it's crappy out. The movie I want to see. Oh, my gosh. I've been... We haven't played any of the audio, but I've seen Olivia Wilde and a couple of her, uh, the gals that are in this movie, Booksmart. And uh, Olivia yes. Wilde, the actress who's with Jason Sudeikis, this is her directing debut. The, it's called Booksmart. Here's what Katie Walsh writes about it. She didn't have to go this hard, but she did for her directorial debut, Booksmart. The actress turned director comes out swinging with not only one of the best movies of the year, Here's where it's the clincher for me. But one of the best high school movies of all time, which mm-hmm. I flippin' yeah, love high school that, movies. Yeah. Don't you? Of course. Four Clueless, stars. Yeah. Mean Girl. Valley Girl. Fast Times at Ridgemont yes. High. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Ferris Bueller. I mean, I really do. 16 Candles, The Birthday Club, all the, you know, John Hughes. So but 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> and uh, Star Tribune's giving it four out of four stars. Uh, the film has been heavily hyped, but with a stacked supporting cast, a script crackling with densely packed jokes and a bravura awards-worthy comedic performance from star Beanie Feldstein. It lives up to the hype. Uh, Olivia Wilde's screen style is joyful, colorful, and rhythmic. It's a crack team of female writers, the team that gave us TV's Good Girls, did the script, and then um, the gal who wrote The Spy Who Dumped Me and Katie Silberman, Isn't It Romantic? So it was four female script writers who uh, doing it. And it's two less-than-popular teenage girls 
who decide they want to enjoy one night of high school hedonism before they graduate. Already, I'm like... Very sold. Sold, are you? Yes. This movie's been getting lots of positive buzz. Beanie Feldstein, by the way, is Jonah Hill's little sister. Oh, it is. Yes. I've heard him talk about her and how good she is. Because she was in a skateboarder movie, wasn't she? Her That Uh, 90s skateboard? Yeah, I think she was in his movie. And then the other girl... uh, is is from what we do in the shadows, which I've been meaning to watch. Oh, on Lori, it. that show is so great. Is that on I, FX? Or? It's on FX. Okay, and is it a kind of a zombie? No, or vampire? Vampires. Love it's it. A dark comedy. Okay, so it's about vampires who live in Staten Island. Okay, I modern watch day. This. Yeah, I gotta watch this. And how, how, they how is yeah. this? Pass me by. <laughs> I guess I've, I had too many other things to watch. There's a lot of TV to watch. Yeah, there is. So anyway, the the this reviewer said Booksmart is deeply indebted to Clueless, another high school classic from a female auteur, Amy Heckerling. Molly, one of the characters, has shades of Cher Horowitz, and Booksmart absolutely nails what Clueless did so well with a deep bench of quirky, richly written side characters that round out the high school ecosystem. Oh, well, that's going to be great. I'm really excited for this movie, and I forgot that it was coming out this weekend. Yeah, it's coming out this weekend. Billy Lord, who's Carrie Fisher's daughter, and she's been in all things Ryan Murphy with the American Horror Story. She's in this movie. She's one of the... She's a wacky, rich girl. And uh, we're going to hear from her later. She was in the clubhouse last night. And it's, I guess, the, the two leads, though, that just totally make this movie and it's a it's it's a movie that's a love letter to to friendship to young women being each other's allies not enemies so this is a movie to see this weekend it really is it looks like maybe we just shouldn't bother going to see aladdin the other speaking of other other big movie the other big movie out this weekend. i just got a rave review from a listener i I, (laughs) said she loved it well the Star Tribune, the the Jeff Strickler who reviewed it, talk about a, a name from the past. Yeah. He gave it three out of four stars, but he said the movie really kicks into high gear when Will Smith shows up as a lad, which is sure. about forty minutes. in. Forty minutes in, yeah. he kind yeah. of makes the movie. Okay, so you just have to wait. But I'm I'm book smart has my name all over it for yeah. 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 I don't mm-hmm. have any little kids that I need to go see Aladdin with, although. No. Would it be a little bit older kid, maybe two for Because it's not all, it's not a pure cartoon. It's not a cartoon yeah. at all. Yeah. This okay. is a live the action, action. Yeah. reboot. Okay. I would say young kids, older right. kids, if you got them. You need something to do when it's raining on Monday. <sighs> yeah, I can't. I can't wait to go see Booksmart. So there, that's that's uh, our our movie pick for the weekend. If you are looking for a uh, you know a great movie, yes, yeah. And then uh, there's of course a bunch of stuff uh, opening on Netflix this weekend. Mm. Lots the, of shows. Renee oh. Zellweger, what if, that sort of noir thing. Neil Justin said it goes on too long. It didn't need to be a 10-episode thing. That oh. was his only okay. Okay. thing so, about it. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, of a Twilight Zone-ish uh, show. Every every hour or every episode is different. Uh, yes, that would be but an she's anthology. In it. Yeah, the anthology. Yes. So that's what he liked. Uh, but, you know, he still gave it a, you know... That's all right. Yeah. I'm excited for She's Gotta Have It Season 2 on Netflix, based off of the Spike Lee movie. It's been a year and a half since the first season was I out on Netflix. I knew it was a TV series. Yeah, so it was a movie in the 80s. I saw it, loved it. Made it into a TV show about a year and a half ago, 
It's fantastic. It is and good. now finally season two is back is out. back out. But I don't remember a lot of the first season except that I really liked it. So it's one of those things where it's like been a year and a half since the first season was out. Yeah, but sometimes they'll do a good recap where you can watch that last season. Boy, I saw Patrick Gracie in the hallway. He did not like the Game of Thrones. You know, he told oh. me. Oh yeah. He, he, he sought me out. He did? <laughs> yes. People were so that? mad about that. And all I could say is, you know, I always just enjoyed it for the spectacle. I never really knew all the things that were going on. But it George R. R. Martin didn't write that last it the series, those last eight or seven episodes went past the book. Right. Right. So it yes. was the two creators, Ben Hoff and whatever whatever his name is. Right. Were you at least satisfied with it? Because I didn't check in with you, Lori, about how you felt about the series well, finale. Well, I mean, the one, the only thing that didn't... There were a couple things. I mean, the one thing, I couldn't believe that um, this one death, I'll be careful how I say it, happened, and it happened, like, in the first 10 minutes. Mm, I mean, was, I... Yeah, it was there, early on. Yeah. There could have yeah. been so much more tension, so much more storytelling... You you keep your main characters around. I I don't know. That was the one thing that was like I was like what? I thought it was too long. Huh? I thought it was too long. I usually don't complain about length, but I thought right? it, it went on and on. It was and no, on, you know, it, and, uh, it because of how it ended, and because yeah. you know now I now all the naysayers have finally gotten through to me. <laughs> it's it was no Breaking Bad. Oh gosh, no! How could you compare no, it to? That, I know, though. but I mean, you people were kind of expecting it to be that way because we did have the two great the White Walkers that episode. With Arya, you know, that was a killer episode. And then even, you know, the one with the dragon fire. That was like, you know, just for the special effects. But yeah, what the heck. Anyway, all right, listen, we come back. It's our story. We can't get enough. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us on this Friday. Uh, Happy long weekend. If you've got three days off, you know, you've got to be happy about that. This story was um, on the Today Show and it was uh, Harry Smith. We used to be over on GMA. I think he did the report. And it's about how, you know, they're uh, decades after people, have, you know, people died in World War II, they're finding and identifying people's DNA in these mass graves where sometimes there would be a battle in France or Germany or someplace. Mm. And they just had to bury all the soldiers together. And of course, if you're a family member, you are really you would like to have your person be home no matter how many years it's been. And just to remind people, I got this from the American Legion a couple years ago, helped us with this. Memorial Day is a federal holiday in which we honor those who died while serving in our armed forces. Veterans Day in November honors everyone who served. Yes. So, so two different yeah, distinct different. Yes. honoring of people in the service. That's yes. right. So um, anyway, so I thought we'd play this story about these fallen heroes who are getting a final homecoming. And it was there was a tie-in today on the front page of the Star Tribune. Yeah, right. uh, Minnesota Sailors remains, uh, came home today. Uh, he was in Pearl Harbor and he was on one of the ships. And his, wow was identified. That's incredible. Isn't that incredible? He's expected his remains to arrive in Duluth later this, or it was yesterday afternoon. So here we go with the Today Show. In Germany's Odenwald Forest, a sniffer dog is onto a scent. Something happened here 75 years ago. The locals remember as if it were yesterday. Otto Herberger was nine years old. He tells us the air raid sirens went off 
and we heard the crash and came running. It looked like the plane had come straight down. In December of 1944, deep behind enemy lines, two of those B-17s collided in midair. One of them, nicknamed the Fuddy Duddy, with its crew of nine, crashed here. Two Americans survived that day, were captured and became POWs. The bodies recovered from the crash site were brought to the village of Steinbach. 94-year-old Maria points to the spot where they were buried in a mass grave. Their remains were eventually recovered. But three of the men aboard the Fuddy Duddy were never found. And by the late 1940s, the U.S. government had given up the search. So no. let's just keep mm-hmm. yeah keep Alrighty. playing because they ne- they don't really give up. They go to like unbelievable um, uh, length, ends lengths. and lengths yeah. to to try and get everybody back home yeah. to their family. These men are volunteers with an organization called History Flight, originally formed to recover and restore World War II aircraft. They soon realized they had a higher calling. The three crew members from this wreck, the top turret gunner and the, the pilot and the co-pilot, are still missing today, and it's very likely that they're uh, in this wreck scene, possibly even in the bottom of the crater that we're about to excavate. Founder Mark Noah says it will take a month or more to sift through the equivalent of two football fields of Earth. There will be hundreds of pounds of that stuff that's essentially just junk. But amongst the junk, you'll find remains of the flight crew, the equipment that they wore, you'll find identification tags that they had, enough to identify them. I mean, isn't that wow. incredible? That's incredible. It really, it really when is. When you think about it, almost 70, 80, 80. years. 80 yeah, years 80 years ago. at this point. Yeah, yeah. okay, Dennis. Okay. The These are the faces of the men History Flight has helped bring home. Nearing 100 now, no longer missing, but found. Among them, Marine Private Fred Freet of Indiana. After a bloody battle in the Pacific, he was listed as missing. In letters, his grieving mother begged the military for answers. And the report didn't say where or how he was killed or buried. I realize you're busy, but I'm also a mother. I have to know. Her grandchildren still have them. When you lose someone, it's good to have a closure and to to have a place to go visit them at a cemetery. But she didn't have that. But now they do. Last month, Private Freet was brought home with full military honors. Paul, I mean, how can you almost like can just tear up just listening oh, to that? I, oh, I was. I know I was. when you hear the bagpipes. Oh, yeah. The last uh, uh, part of the story, Donnie. Decorated Marine veteran and now History Flight COO Justin LaHue says their mission is part of a sacred promise. No man left behind means we will do what we have to do to come back and get you. Even decades later, he sees this place as a battlefield, like the ones where he fought in Nazaria and Najaf, places where young Americans died fighting for their country. You know, Memorial Days come and go. What do people need to know who are only thinking about going to the beach this weekend? That the reason that they're able to go to the beach this weekend is 
because all these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Because of a bomber crew that flew in onto a target, held their mission, did not return home, those men 75 years ago are giving them that right today. It matters, doesn't it, Harry? Mm, I know. Uh, and uh, Harry Smith broke down. Oh, yeah. At the end of it. Yeah. He's really yeah. kind of doing that, like the Ann Curry stories that yeah, he used yeah. to do over at the Today Show. Because yeah. he he went to Rwanda and on a guerrilla conservative. I mean, kind of these longer form stories. But I just thought that that was, you know, I'm, I'm, I was glad to hear that, they, that, that there's a mission to do that. Yeah. And it was so ironic because... On the front page of the paper was, you know, this Minnesota sailor, Dante Estini, 19, serving on the USS Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, his mother always wanted wanted his remains to come home and yeah. she passed away. And uh, anyway, and they would always wonder, you know, I wonder if this will be the year that they'll somehow identify Dante. And so and there he is. Yeah, there he is. And of course... Dante Estini, I mean, of course, he's Italian, immigrant mm. family, played the accordion, probably mm. a shortened name, Tini. I'm sure it was something longer, but wow. anyway. That's just, it, it's technology and the things that we're able to do. Yeah. And the, and it's just a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what was the movie that came out like last fall or something the world war ii movie that we i think donnie went inside at the theater well this oh, is a world, world war one yeah so this is they, you know they shall not be forgotten or never be forgotten or they something shall like that. not grow old there it is thank you so yeah. that's the movie and you can now rent that on amazon google youtube itunes it's available I, I this weekend highly. so it, you know yes. if you want to watch something honoring memorial day right. and those who lost their lives in the biggest war right. one of them in right. human history this is the movie that Peter Jackson made honoring the centennial of the armistice and he used original footage he recolored it restored it and what Jackson wanted to do with this movie he said once restored this old footage it's the human aspect that you gain the most and Mm -hmm. so it really you know because we can have that distance watching the footage how can you even comprehend what it was like a hundred years ago but the way that they've made this movie and Donnie you can probably speak to this that it just really brings it to an emotional level that we haven't seen before. I, I totally agree with you, Holly. If you if you watch this movie, please watch after the credits when Peter Jackson explains how they put this amazing yeah. film together. Okay, all right, good. That's yeah. good. That's good for us to know, you guys. All right, listen, when we come back, so Leonardo, Brad Pitt, and Quentin Tarantino walk into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell you what happens next.
look, Ma, we made it to Ooh, Friday. Yay. We got a three-day weekend. It'll be best ofs on Monday. And yes. I I love what Ross Rayla tweeted Jimmy Kimmel. He said, given the success of live in front of a studio audience with um, you know, all in the family and the Jeffersons, it's only a matter of time before they do golden girls with drag queens, right? Why are we Why not, not getting that this fall? Yeah, please, sure. please, come on. Well, you know they're gonna do something else again because that was that was a hit for NBC. ABC, ABC, excuse the me. The only ABC. thing that would make it not happen is if ABC, they did it. That was an NBC show, The Golden Girls. Oh, yeah, so I'm yeah. just thinking all no, the no, yeah, no, but, Right. Okay, wait, got all it. All in the Family and Jefferson's were CBS shows. I know, but they had Norman Lear's cooperation. Right. Oh, I, I don't know. I just okay. feel like. Yeah, Jimmy's probably looking I hope for he is. a project. Did you watch any of it? I did it, it because funny. I was a little nervous about watching it, but you, Lori, you I, liked it. We liked it. Donnie, Donnie didn't like the, it as much. Donnie was on the fence. It's okay. I was, you know, to each his own. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just thought Marissa Tomei was so good. Everyone was really great. The weakest link was Woody Harrelson as Archie Bunker, who yeah. sometimes sounded like a Southern man. Uh, that was miscast, I thought. <laughs> I did, too. Yeah, it's, and he was too young. Yeah. He needed somebody older. I yeah, think. I guess. I wonder what Carol O'Connor versus Woody Harrelson in age. I bet they'd be really close. Probably. Oh, probably. oh at the time they filmed it? Yes. yes. Okay, that's a good point. You yeah, I bet that. I bet you're right. Okay, uh, so this was, all right, I don't get Esquire magazine, but I read the the um, this cover story online, and the cover of the latest issue of Esquire is Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Quentin Tarantino. And I was... Delighted at what a fun interview this was. It gave me the vibe of reading Angelica Houston a couple weeks ago in the Vulture magazine. We're, well, it's we're, very old school. They're out by the pool and then they're walking around. And they're, then they're all, all hanging and, out on the couch. Yeah, they're all on a couch and they gossip about. Here's what the story is about what Hollywood was like in the 90s, which is when they all came of age, if you will, in their movie careers. What it meant to work with Luke Perry, who is in his final role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and how this is a movie about Hollywood. And Leo and Brad seemed like they, and when I was reading it, like they have an easy chemistry and respect for each other. But here were some of the things that I really, really, I'd never heard. So um, Esquire asked Brad and Leo if they had a tragic Hollywood story. Mm. Brad's tragic Hollywood story. He said, back in the early days, I hung out with Brandon Lee. He drove a hearse and lived in Echo Park. Remember, Brad Pitt stood out on Hollywood Boulevard in a chicken costume. I and mean, El you know, Pollo Loco. That's he, right. The man hustled. Yeah. And Brandon Lee, by the way, the son of Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee, right. thank yeah. you. So he drove, Brandon Lee drove a hearse and lived in Echo Park. We went out one night and everyone else had peeled off and we ended up back at his place and it was like six in the morning, a real, you know, drunken, stony night. And he proceeded that night to tell me how he thought he was going to die young like his dad. And I just talked it up, talked it up to, you know, stony 6 a.m. talk. Then he got the crow the next year, oh, which is the and, movie he died on. Right. right. An, an accident, accident on the set. On the yes. Set, yeah. So that's Brad. So then Leo, they ask him, do you have a tragic Hollywood story? I never have heard that Brandon Lee story. I have not okay. either. No. And then Leo says, I have one. This Leonardo DiCaprio, one of the most... Uh, one of the most ominous and sad ones. I grew up revering River Phoenix as the great actor of my generation. And Leo was, what, 11 when he was in What's Eating Gilbert Grape? He was older Leo. than that. Or 13. But, but yeah, pretty but he young. was pretty young. He said, all I ever wanted was to have an opportunity 
just to shake his hand. And one night at a party in Silver Lake, I saw him walk up a flight of stairs. It was almost like something you would see in Vertigo because I saw there was something in his face and I'd never met him, always wanted to meet him, always wanted to have an encounter. And he was walking toward me and I kind of froze. And then the crowd got my way and I looked back and he was gone. Stars. Before there's stars, they get starstruck like everybody else. I walked back up the stairs and back down. I was like, where'd he go? And he was on his way to the Viper Room. It was Mm. almost as if, I don't know how to describe it, but it's this very existential thing where I felt like he disappeared in front of my eyes and the tragedy I felt afterward of having lost this great influence for me and all my other friends, the actor we all talked about. Um, You know, and then... He said, uh, I remember extending my hand out and then two people came in front and I looked back and he was just gone. And I actually flew later to New Orleans to meet about interview with the vampire to play the role. Christian Slater ended up playing Phoenix had been cast in the role and they had to recast it. Wow. River and Phoenix. so Leo's saying that he saw River Phoenix the, the night, night he that died. he died. Yeah. And died out in front of the Viper Room yep. on yeah. the strip. On the strip. And then um, here's Brad on getting to work with Burt Reynolds. Okay. This was a fun interview, you guys. Um, you've got to understand for me, growing up in the Ozarks and watching Smokey and the Bandit, you know, he was the guy. Always had something to say, funny as hell, great dresser, oh man. And I'd never met him. So being there with him reminded me of how much I enjoyed him as a kid. And then getting to spend those days with him in rehearsal, I was really touched by him. Does he have a cameo in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Uh, I don't. Th- I think he passed away before they filmed. I think. Donnie is right. Yeah, I okay, I don't know what role he was supposed to play. I but thinking, he, they met in rehearsal then, obviously. Yeah, for this right, movie. but I don't think I think uh, Bert died before they before started they filming. could film yeah. it. Yeah, and then Leo was asked about Luke Perry, and he said, and for that matter, you know, Luke Perry, L- Luke Perry plays in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This other fictitious TV actor like Leonardo's playing. He said, I remember my friend Vinny, who's in the movie as well, we walked in, we both had this butterfly moment of like, oh my God, that's Luke Perry over there. (laughs) And Brad said on Luke, that's Luke Bleep and Perry. We were like kids in the candy shop because I remember going to the studios and Beverly Hills 90210 was going on and he was that icon of coolness for us teenagers. It was a strange burst of excitement that I had to be able to act with him. Man, he was so incredibly humble and amazing and committed. He couldn't have been a more friendly and wonderful guy to spend time with. I got to sit down and have some wonderful conversations with them. It was really special. And I just thought, it's so weird to think of Leo and Brad, who've been considered the coolest Hollywood guys for decades geeking out yeah. about oh, Luke oh, Perry, oh, Luke who was Perry. bigger when they were nobody. Of course. Well, gosh, Luke Perry was Dylan. He was I the mean, He cool. was everything in the early 90s. Brad Pitt was in a chicken soup, remember? Right. On mm-hmm. doing El Pollo Loco, and Leonardo DiCaprio was on Growing Pains. Yeah, because uh, Luke was kind of the model, you know, for their fame, too, because both Brad and Leo, particularly Leo, started out as, you know, the teen boy, teen boy, cover boy, the teen tiger beat or whatever with the long hair and the sensitive, misunderstood outsider vibe. Yes. You know, anyway, and I like, I like that question about it. Do you have a tragic, anyway, the whole interview is really, really good. And Tarantino thinks that this movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is the closest thing he's done to Pulp Fiction. Hmm. Okay. It's his love letter to L.A. 
I want to see this movie. Yeah, I, re- I really do. I'm the more the press comes out, the more the reviews come out. Yeah, I'm really excited to yeah. see this movie. It's a July 26th, so we're not excited for that to get here or anything. But um, yeah, they they seem like they're really having fun. The dynamic between it all seems of us. like in this interview I read because I read most of it, and they're loose in this yes. article in a way that they haven't been in previous uh, I've interviews. Never heard past. Any of those like, stories, and yeah, exactly. Like they're guys, and I think probably because of the characters that they're playing, playing. somewhat washed up Hollywood reflecting people, on ref- fame, reflecting yeah. on fame, mm-hmm. and that these guys are kind of doing the same thing, even though you know they have made it. They are the epitome of movie yeah. stars. We saw them at the Cannes Film Festival earlier this week. Hello. That's true. Yeah. That. Oh my gosh, they look so amazing. And then Brad said, he said, you know, you have to remember, there are epic stories in Hollywood of famous actors and their stunt doubles. Oh yeah. Burt Reynolds had Hal Needham. Mm-hmm. Steve McQueen had Bud Eakins. Kurt Russell had his guy. Harrison Ford had his guy. And these guys were partners for decades. It's just not the same anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't have that as the pieces become more movable. Right. But I and- guess I never really thought about that, that they would have a stunt double who would be with them for years and years. Yeah, because yeah, now everything's digitally manipulated. Yeah. So you will have a stunt double, but it really doesn't matter, matter. who it is because you can digitally alter. John Wayne must have had the same stunt double for years. Oh, gosh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I kind of like, I, I geeked out just reading that Yeah, that interview. And then I also geeked out when I saw that Sophie Turner has given herself a Taylor Swift hairdo. And what do we think we of the bangs? We posted it. It's tragic bangs. Okay. Oh, you do not like bangs. Everybody who gets bangs, Lori, you say that's tragic that, bangs. Those are of tragic doom. bangs of doom. The way that's cut, the hair is a little okay. heavy. Do you think she's wearing extensions in that? It just looks yes. heavy on her head. It looks heavy on her head. They could be clip-in bangs. It's tragic. She's got the most beautiful face. I've met her <laughs> in true. person. Yeah, she's gorgeous. She's yes. got the most beautiful face. I, all I can think of is she doing a 60s film or a, a photo shoot or something because that hair is Jean Shrimpton yes. hair. It looks like one, it looks like she might be doing a photo shoot based on the outfit that she's wearing. Yeah. And is this on the show page today? Oh, yeah. So people yeah. can look at it. Yep. The jacket's she, cool. It looks like it's a photo shoot, but this is No, the, she's not. She's no? promoting X-Men Dark Phoenix in London and she is just looking very maybe early 70s because she had the velvet pantsuit on and then she got maybe it's a wig this is her declaration saying i'm officially done with dragons and everything (laughs) and my red hair and my red hair that's what this speaks to me as is i'm moving on and i'm gonna let you know by having bangs they're not tragic bangs of doom they're fine it's a tragic fringe (laughs) yes well (laughs) it's also you know how in um well, maybe you don't know, but I feel like it is kind of a rite of passage, like in sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, where your hair is long, and then you take two pieces from the side, and then you cut them up like shorter so you can pin them back, or I don't know, but she's kind of got like the tri-layer going on. She's got training bangs. bangs. She's got the fringe, and then she's got the long sideburns, and she's got the rest of it. Anyway, <laughs> okay. I like her so much. I wanted Sansa to be on the throne. Damn it. <laughs> kind of was. Yeah, you know. Kind of. I'm not going to comment anymore because yeah. that's a minor spoiler alert. Yeah, is it though? <laughs> well, you We're just almost said a week out. 
I know. We're yeah. almost just giving a week her a hard out. Time. Uh, you know what I did on Monday? I knew I couldn't even avoid it. And, and the Bellagio did not have HBO, by the way. They're not putting in any premium in any Las Vegas hotels unless no, they, you're staying. They have to pay for it. Get down there and yeah. gamble. They want you to gamble. <laughs> That's but right, yeah. I just, got, I just read, I just read it, and then I watched oh, it after okay. I got That's, home. And you were fine That's with right. that. I was just totally fine with it. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I don't need to be in some suspended disbelief. People have been, you know, mad about this whole season. Well, right. We had the dumb petition earlier yeah, this month. That. Oh, come Jeez. on. All right. Listen, when we come back, uh, Madonna covers <laughs> British Vogue, and does uh, she have a lot to say? And I've always been a go-getter. There's truth in everything, and I can't hide. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. are keeping me up at night, I'll tell you that much. Oh, no. No, listen, no. I'm telling you, I had a breakdown today. I'm officially a baby. <laughs> I think, well, didn't we already know that? Donnie, I no, don't... A tough I'm kind of a toughie. I don't really... I'm not one to, like... You Whine know, and complain. Not, not really. Mm-hmm. That's We leave that to the youngers. <laughs> the middles. Yeah. Oh, you mean Julia? Yeah, just, oh. just anybody. If you're an old, oldest or an only or the old, oldest boy or the old, I don't know. You just, you just kind of are. And I, I was just like really the frank reality of having a non-working arm and shoulder for like such a much longer time. I thought apparently I thought I was going to you know wake up in a week later it was going to be miraculously fine I was woefully yeah you want I mean I appreciate my uh, your resolve no, to, not to let to, it take to me not down. let it take you down <laughs> that you wanted to come back a couple days after it happened yeah, we knew and, and I didn't yeah. even have any idea how painful this would be to, to sleep sitting up and all these all these ridiculous and everything is just hard so this morning I. Really felt sorry for myself. I cried on the way to Crutchfield Dermatology. I cried at Crutchfield. I cried with my physical therapist at at uh, Sister Kenny today, and he had been helping me with my frozen shoulder. He was mm. he was so nice. He like got off all the gummy tape around my arm that I never even asked Casey to take off for me that was like oh. itching and I mean you know well, serious business yeah it, it just I so anyone out there all my rotator cuff brothers and sisters <laughs> I <laughs> fail ya. it is just oh. so I, I will be a terrible patient uh, and I'm going to appreciate my health how yes. about that? Okay, Good. so we kind of heard about this interview. This is like the interview day that we got deep on some interviews, but we heard a few quotes. Madonna covers British Vogue um, for the, um, I believe it's their June issue, and she's on the cover. She's a brunette, which I really do like her as a brunette. It's very fetching. Very fetching. Um, and uh, when I read this... Yes. Interview. Yeah. 
I did not have the same delightful feelings I had reading Leonardo and Brad uh, and Quentin oh, Tarantino's. So the oh one boy. we just read in Esquire was a delight. It was a delight. Insightful. Uh, oh, a psychiatrist would have a field day with what Madonna is saying in this interview. Oh no, Lori, you're her hype woman. I How know. are you going to save her? I, I don't know. Well, I, give us the details. Does Pat Kingsley not her PR person anymore? Because I don't approve I don't of any of this crap <laughs> I, that she's saying. Here's here's something that she says. And I know uh, that she is also perpetuating her, her Madam Act, you know, her whole character. But... Um, she does say some interesting things about feminism, ageism, and ladies supporting ladies. But she also says some things like she said, um, people have always been trying to silence me for one reason or another, whether it's that I'm not pretty enough, I don't sing well enough, I'm not talented enough, I'm not married enough, and now it's that I'm not young enough. So they just keep trying to find a hook to hang their beef about me being alive on. Now I'm fighting ageism. Now I'm being punished for turning 60. Hmm. And is she though? That's what I is. She's not being punished. That's a narrative that Madonna, if we're talking about pushing, that's a narrative that she's been pushing for the past three to four years in that people are shaming her for trying to be releasing pop music at the age she is. And I don't, that's not really part of the conversation. No. And you know, like, okay, you know, like one of the things, I mean, Cher, I love that Cher concert so much, but one of the things that, and, and you know, maybe she says that she probably does it every concert, but she said, and she was only 72, but on Saturday, two days before her birthday, she said, you know, I'm 73. I don't really like talking about my age, but they always give your age. So I'm like, well, this is my age. And she said, no, there's always people who will tell you why you can't do something or you're not sick. She said, screw them. Just be, um, just be who you are. And if you're at an age where you consider it, you're a woman of a certain age, because everyone's age thing changes that, yes that, that bar moves. changes and it moves right? she said so if you're a woman of a certain age and you haven't done some hell raising go do some hell raising and if you're a younger woman and people are trying to tell you what you can't do you do what you want to do and it was like that's the kind of messaging thank you that Cher? is like more it's re- it's she madonna in the way that she frames it is being victimized by the world around her. It yeah, sounds it like she, I don't think of Madonna as a victim. No, no. no. Whereas Cher is like, yeah, that's going to happen. Then, Bleep them because we're going to be fantastic because no matter what, no matter what, because it you're people get criticized every which way, every what age it, it's always going to happen. I, I don't like what was me, Madonna. That's thank, that is thank it. you, Lori. That is it. You're and right. then and then she said, um, she was asked by British Vogue if other women have supported her. And this is what Madonna said. She's not felt particularly supported by women throughout her career. She's grateful for artists who worked against the odds, like Frida Kahlo. Okay, oh, okay, sure. that, that has yeah. nothing to do with pop music. But right. carry on. She said, there are no living role models for me because nobody does what I do. And that's kind of scary. Well, Cher does what she does. Here's what she said. I look back at women who I think were great and amazing freedom fighters like Angela Davis, Simone de Beauvais. Is that how you say her last name? But they didn't have kids. Being a single parent of six children, I continue to be creative 
and be an artist and be politically active, to have a voice to do all the things they do. So, I mean, there isn't anybody in my position. Oh, I give you on. Angelina Jolie. Yeah. She's the mother of six children. Yes. Hello. By the way, Angela Davis is still alive. Yeah, but I mean, the, it, <laughs> there's Dolly Parton, there's right. Bette Midler, there's yes. all kinds of yes. women right now. I don't think we've ever had a more dynamic time for Helen Mirren, women in their 60s and Jane 70s Fonda and 80s out there. She who was are doing things. Single mom. Yeah, right. I, I know. Well, Madonna just puts herself again. It's that woe is me, me against Madonna. the world. It me is not a good world. look for yeah. her. No, yeah. I do not like it. It's setting. She's setting herself up to fail. If she were my friend, I would tell her this. <laughs> um, yes. She also goes on in this interview to talk about her daughter, Lola, uh, and how envious she is of her. And I wonder if Lola's going to be mad about all of her personal business that her mom kind of says in this thing. Um, uh, yeah, anyway, she kind of goes in on a lot of personal stuff about her daughter Lola, and she tries to bring up Zoe Kravitz as an example of of someone who also has famous parents. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, mm-hmm. Anyway, I just really... She's complaining in the wrong direction. I, I, don't, I don't really <laughs> care for this narrative uh, at yeah, all. Madonna, you're not Sharon, a victim. Yeah, Sharon Stone is 61. I, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Well, does she is she hiding behind ageism? That's what I'm worried about. Sure, I think she is yeah. identifying too much with that and then internalizing it. Yeah, and being a victim of don't, it. Don't let it get you down, Madonna. That's you're right. sexy at sixty. Now stop, stop with the cheek injections and, or whatever you're doing, and release a good dance song. Thank and you. Release yes. a good dance song. Like Lose give us ray of light. Give us something. Yes. All right. Listen, we will be back.